0: Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. We are a community of people learning the way of Jesus to bless our city of Boise, Idaho and beyond. Redemption Hill is a unique place. We are a collective of micro churches that do life together throughout the week and gather on Sundays to grow, worship and celebrate what God is doing in our city. You are invited to join us Sundays at 9am at Discovery Church in Boise where you can find the community you need in any season of your life. More details can be found at redemptionvoice.org. Up next is the teaching segment from this week's Sunday gathering. Afterwards, stay tuned for more information on how to get connected at Redemption Hill.
1: We haven't met before. I'm one of the elders here and uh, do a lot of the preaching and it's good to be together on a Sunday morning. Share a little bit. We're starting a new sermon series. Boom. Therefore, go, disciple-making movements. We're going to talk about what we do around here and why we do it. And hopefully, over the course of the next eight to ten weeks, help you live out your calling and start and equip your microchurch spaces to grow and to thrive. In 2016, my wife Malia and I, we were living in Boston, Massachusetts, and had planted a campus for a church there. And God started to stir in us this, this sense that he was sending us to plant a church. There's one big problem with that. Um, I didn't want to be a pastor, and I didn't want to lead a church. And so you would think like there, there, would, there wouldn't be a good fit there. Um, why was that? Uh, I had spent 10 years before that as a missionary to college, high school, and middle school students. And I had gone to seminary to prepare for a lifetime of ministry, and at that time had no intention of leading a church or pastoring anybody, and I like to think I had some really good reasons for that. Um, My parents had led churches for 25 years. What was that (laughs) part? And I didn't want to be a part of it. It... When you're around it, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. I was, I was barely holding on at that point, barely holding on to wanting to be a part of church, trying, wanting to be a part of this spiritual movement that we're a part of. And so as God started to call us, we needed a, a different way, a new way of thinking about what we were going to do if we were going to find a way to do what he was calling us to. We needed a fresh set of eyes on how it could be done that we had not yet experienced in our lifetimes. For the most part, in our country, every church in America that we have seen is consumed with serving itself, consumed with serving its own members. The organizations, by and large, exist to provide religious goods and services to its customers who show up and pay with their attention, their service, and their money and it's, it's not that different, most churches aren't that different from country clubs, where members create a walled garden to play together in an artificial community and pat itself on the back for the ways that it serves one another. And for the most part, the church treated its pastors like they treated the Cabana Boys. The staff and the leaders they treated like hired help, they were paid to fulfill their spiritual needs and make sure that their kids stayed Christian and as long as they did what the customers wanted they would stay and they would give their attention and their service and their money to keep the operation afloat and some churches were were also really successful and as long as they did a really good job at performing a religious show on Sundays for the crowds and the preaching was captivating and thoughtful and it didn't challenge people's politics finances or relationships then the people would quietly applaud and they would tell their friends about it and it was a great place for them to network for business and raise your kids with like-minded people and when the leaders would trespass over some expectation that people had for them then people would create drama and then they rile people up and they'd stop giving their attention their service and their money and then they would leave and they would try to get people to leave with them so that the leaders felt the pain of their exit and Hopefully, what you're feeling inside as I'm describing some of this is some tension. Because everything I described is wrong. This is not what God's people should be like. Every bit of it's wrong. And in our bones, we know that it's wrong, but it's what we've experienced. It's the expectations of the world around us for what church is. Because our strongest cultural value is the customer is always right. And so church planners, they look at the market and the expectations of the people and they try to give the people what they're looking for. And, and so it continues on because it's what we know. And we look back and we say, well, if it was good enough for our parents, it was good enough for us. But the problem was, it didn't provide or create the spiritual vibrancy in the last generation. So why are we trying the same old methods and tactics? What if God has someone, something else for us? The mission of the evangelical church in America has been skewed in so many different directions. It's difficult to tell where it's going or what it's doing. Some, some exist to preserve the organization. They think that if we keep our church alive, then it will serve its purpose. Some, some churches are built as cultural ghettos for groups of people to gather around their family values and gather people around that will protect them from a world that will threaten their family values there's cultural ghettos for they act more like political action committees where we get along with people who believe the same things about our government there's some, some churches exist for nostalgia because they went to church as a kid and they took their kids to church and now they bring their grandkids to church because that's what we do. Sometimes it's just we're really good at doing this one thing, which is providing religious goods and services effectively to mass audiences. That's why we do it. S- for some churches, it's teaching the Bible, for some, it's serving the poor. For some, it's trying to create relevant expressions of spiritual community that make sense in the 21st century. But none of those are the center of the mission of what the church is meant to be. And so we have to start this work by clarifying, what is the mission? Why do we exist? What is this work that we're here to do, and why do we do it? And I want to take a minute right now and give you a couple seconds to think about it and then we're going to talk about it okay this, this will be a little bit of interactive space so those of you who are introverted I'm going to give you a couple minutes to think to jot down some ideas and then I'm going to tell the extroverts to not talk for a minute so you have space and we're going to try to create some room to talk okay but I think we need to answer these three questions or at least ponder it first is what is the church what is the nature of the church Second, why does it exist? And the third, why have we gotten it so wrong? Okay? I'm going to give you a couple minutes to think about it. They're all up there. And then we'll come back. Okay? I've already thought about it, so I'm just going to stare at you. No, you go for it. I'd, I'd love to hear some ideas. What, what is this thing we're doing? What is the church? Why does it exist? And why have we gotten it so wrong? There's no wrong answers. This is just what you think, okay? This is just some space to process together. So who's got, got some thoughts? I'm going to actually have you speak in the mic for the folks at home. he started pulling on her ear. I almost called on her. <laughs> All right. Let's have Mr. Blaze.
2: Uh, it's the body of Christ supposed to be doing Christ's will throughout the world as his
1: representative more or less. (laughs) 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 Oh boy. Yeah. uh, I was thinking
2: about that question too. I think uh, I, I think it got really confused with politics
1: and image and things like that instead of focusing on Christ or the gospel
3: just kind of exchanged it for stuff that we liked during the 80s <laughs> seemed like
1: I think we can blame the 80s for most things that are wrong with America that feels right not just our parents it's uh who else who else got some ideas some thoughts so we got one vote for the body of Christ yeah Adrian. am I
2: supposed to answer all three Uh, I was thinking the church is like a gathering of believers it's the believers kind of coming together to celebrate why we exist to celebrate to honor the Lord also to serve and be tangible love to the world I have a lot of thoughts about the third one (laughs) Um, I think some of what I've been thinking about is like as we try to make things repeatable, we add structure, organization, and we lose sight of like the organic kind of coming together as a group of people. So, and then in that creeps ego, into ego comes like, oh, we see numbers, we see buildings, and then we make things our master rather than keeping Lord our master.
1: All right, so we can blame the 80s, Henry Ford, and McDonald's, I think, is wh- where we got all, th- okay. Clint? <laughs> uh,
3: I, I think what the church is, it's the body of Christ, I, uh, and, um, and the bride of Christ doing God's will, but and why do we exist? Because uh, to point people to Jesus, and to make disciples, and train them up in the ways uh, of Jesus uh, and then I think they've gotten it wrong because God attracts or is powerful and it'll always attra- be attractive to people and once people have that power or connected to it they're going to corrupt it and so I think we tend to want to latch on to that power and that message and then do our own thing with it
1: I'm close to God God is powerful therefore I'm powerful therefore you should listen to me yeah I think I think there's something there all right, Annie's ready. Uh,
2: when I was thinking, what churches is, is like, um, just like learning from Jesus, and you know, doing what we can with that, <laughs> just like the disciples did, um, and I do believe it exists to um, bring reconciliation and healing to other people that. Don't know Jesus, and I think the Western Church has gotten it so wrong because we are obsessed with being selfish and comfortable and security, and we try to take that in our own hands.
1: All right, we got wealth, power, efficient systems, and the eighties. All right, <laughs> Bob. There we go. Getting my steps in. Uh. Others have answered the
2: first two pretty well, so I'll just say one thought about the third question, why has the Western Church gotten it so wrong? Uh, Because we're humans, and the Eastern Church has gotten it wrong, and the Northern and the Southern Church, and all through history. uh, Probably after day one, there wasn't any group of believers that was perfect. People leave the church and they say, well, it's full of hypocrites. Of course. And outside the church is full of hypocrites. And the Eagles and the the Rotary Club. And whatever you join, you're going to find hypocrites because humans. Right? So, anyway, that's my thought.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, we're trying. We're giving it a go. Here you go,
3: Ernie. So, uh, third question. Um. I think being a Christian is damningly difficult. And as soon as you recognize what the gospel's about and it hits you, it requires 100%. And that 100% commitment is difficult at the least. And it's everything at the most. And we form our church to put everything into perspective and to put padding around us and structure around us so that we can comply without having to comply. And then we can limit it and we can um, address God as if he is human and say, look what I'm doing and maintain relationship in a way that we can control and be God in our lives without submitting to him.
1: It, yeah, we, we create church so that we don't actually have to do what God calls us to. Ugh. All right, one more. Here's, oh, Zach, here we go. I,
4: I was thinking about, I think it's the last song we sang there about the vine and a binding. And I thought there is no vine that is of one branch. And I think in the church we have gotten so much into my personal savior instead in, in, in an effort to make God personal, now we have to personalize church to make it more comfortable for me. and that that's how we end up being same-minded or you know we want to be in a comfortable group where it's you know it starts with me and it has to be, to to be able to serve me, then it has to be in a group where I feel very comfortable. And if you think about that as the branch, the branch will have, you know, as branches we don't get to choose. The church is supposed to belong to Christ himself. So it's supposed to be this place where we can be uncomfortable because I don't like the next branch.
1: Excellent. All right, that was... I was going to say surprisingly insightful, but it's not that surprising. You guys are—you guys are pretty insightful people. Well, let's dive in. Let's look at what Scripture has to say. Let's talk about it. We're going to be talking about it the next ten weeks, I think, and really diving down to if the church is what God has called us to, and. If there's particular things he wants us to do, then how do we live it out, both in micro church space and in our macro church space on Sundays? Let's start with the word church. We've you've probably seen it. We've talked about it before. Um, let's see. All right. Well, th- that's there. I, I didn't mean for that to be there, but that's there. Um, do you have the the etymology of the word church there? That's the one. Nope, it's not. Okay, I got it wrong then. All right, uh, so where does the word church come from? It's actually a really bad translation. So in Greek, in the Bible, when we see the word church, it comes from the word ekklesia. Um, ek it means out of, and ekklesia. Clay is comes from root kala, which means to call out. And so the word ekklesia means the called out ones, the ones that have been gathered together. Okay? So that's what the word ecclesia means. The word church comes from Old English, kirk, and the old Dutch kirk, and the old German Kirche, based on the medieval Greek, which comes from the word curekon, which means the Lord's house. Okay? So there's this Fundamental problem in that the word church itself means God's house, but the word ecclesia, the, the word that we see in the New Testament, does not mean God's house. It fundamentally means the people who have been called out from the world to be a part of God's family. Okay? So the church is God's called out people, the ones who are called out of the kingdom of darkness to learn the way of the King Jesus as disciples and then we're sent into the world to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom with our lives, and to call the world to repentance through our loving kindness, and to teach anyone who will listen the way of the kingdom. Should I say it again? We have have that one, right? We, we We could put that one up. All right, so the church is God's people who are called out of the kingdom of darkness. Those who have heard God's voice responded with faith so that they could learn the way of King Jesus Jesus is the Lord of all creation he is ruler over everything in creation and so we are going to submit ourselves as disciples to learn his way and then as disciples we're not just to learn but to become rabbis like him we're sent into the world to proclaim to speak over the world, and to demonstrate with our lives the kingdom of God. And then we're going to call out to the world, ecclesia, the ones who are called out are the ones who will call out to the world for repentance, which is to invite them to receive the kingdom and and to push away the kingdom of darkness through our loving kindness. Now, this is important, just like God condescended to in his loving kindness, make a way for us through his sacrifice towards us, we will enter into the world and then teach anyone who will listen to embrace the way of the kingdom of God. This is our fundamental identity as God's people. We see in Matthew 28, this is laid out pretty clearly as Jesus is on the mountain, about to ascend to heaven. This is what he says. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven on earth because I'm creator and because I'm king, all authority has been given to me by the father. Therefore go, go make disciples, which to them was a very specific thing to them. That meant do the thing that I had done to you just like I had called you as a rabbi to be a part of this apprenticeship in the way of the kingdom, and then I sent you out, that is what I'm calling you to do is to make apprentices like I apprenticed you. So when you see the word apprentice, or disciple, literally just replace it with apprentice. Go and make apprentices of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what is baptism? Baptism is particularly here, a sign of conversion. It's somebody saying, I am going to throw my lot in with Jesus. And when we're baptized, it says, I've given my allegiance over to God rather than to myself. And then teach these new disciples to obey all the things that I have given you, all the things I've commanded you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's my question to you. What have we added to this commission that gets in the way of doing those things? What does the church do that is not called to, that actually hurts our ability to do the things he's really called us to do? I think that has to be one of our first questions because we need need to clear the decks of the things that are holding us back before we can get this right. So let's, let's look at some of, the, some of the metaphors that we use to talk about who we are, because the pictures in our head will actually determine how we live out this thing. Um, f- let's start with the word church, and that word church means house, and we imagine that the church is this gathering, this meeting. We have language around that. People still say, I'm going to go to church on Sunday. What do they mean when they say, I'm going to church on Sunday? They don't mean I'm going to go gather with my group of people that is the church. They mean I'm going to go to that building that is the church. When we talk about the church, we talk about a place, this representation of a community. Um, We think of it as a, a temple where God's spirit resides. The problem with that, it's a good metaphor if you think of the Old Testament And how the temple itself was a representation of God's presence with the people of Israel. But what happened on Good Friday that changed everything about that? The temple ceased to have its purpose. Because the Holy Spirit was released into all the world. Out of the temple, into the people. Okay? So thinking of the gathering as the temple space where God's presence resides is wrong. Because everywhere God's people go, his presence resides in those spaces. That's why Jesus says, whenever two or more are gathered in my name, I will be with you. What he's saying is, wherever you are is wherever I am. Um, we use the word local church. And, you know, like that, that language is problematic. Because how many churches are there in the world? There's one there's only one church. There's this invisible worldwide people that God has called out from the world to be his people. So anytime you hear the word church pluralized, it's a minor heresy. <laughs> like, and that's, that's why I'm, I'm weird about it. And you'll hear me say we're a network of micro church. Like I'm, try, I'm trying to stop saying the word churches because it, it gets in the way of this stuff. Um, I I meet with church planners pretty much every week, um, and when I ask them what they're working on and they're starting their journey, they'll, they'll tell me the things that they're starting with. And the first, like, three months, what do you think they're working on, those first three months? They're working on a name for the organization, their brand, bylaws, their nonprofit status, space to meet in, job descriptions... And websites. Now, are any of those things essential to being the people of God? None of them are. You can actually get rid of all those things and still be God's people and still be the church. And the problem with most of the church planners I meet with is they have the wrong conception of the kind of work that we're in and what we're doing. They have these cultural assumptions about what we're doing that have nothing to do with Jesus, the Bible, or the mission of God. Now, now, some of those things can be useful, and we we employ some of those things as part of our gathering, but what would it look like for us to create the simplest expression of the people of God so that all that other stuff doesn't get in the way? And so what we want to do is we want to go back to the first century and what what I call Church 1.0, okay? We're at, we're at version like 2024, okay? Um, but we need to go all the way back to version 1.0, and see and reproduce the way of Jesus and the way of the early church and take our values and our structures and our relationships and overlay it with the way that Jesus did it. Because it didn't start out the way that we do it. And when we look around the world, we see that in many places, they don't have the same issues that we have as the church. So what if our American expressions of church are not the best in the world, but in many ways are even a a dead cancerous lesion that needs to be removed from Christianity and replaced with healthy, vibrant, new cells. What if we need to learn from the rest of the world and sit in quiet submission, seeing how God works in places that look different than us? Because if you look at the church in our country... It does not have the vibrancy, the multiplication, the movemental power of the Spirit of God. It has a whole bunch of human organizations that are built to aggrandize itself, to serve its members, and to be something God never meant for us to be. And if you've been around here long enough, you've probably felt some of the pain and tension because we're trying to think differently about these things. Did you know that we're living in an unprecedented times for the kingdom of God? Right now, the gospel is spreading throughout the world at a rate that we've never witnessed in 2,000 years. In the places where the gospel is growing, it's spreading like wildfire. And for most of us in the West, this can feel shocking because you probably know more people that have left the faith than have joined the faith in the last five years. We've had a front row seat to the decline of Western Christianity and its influence on society. We've witnessed an almost allergic reaction to the word church by many around us. It's hard to even imagine what kind of fruit could be in other places. But God is moving powerfully, and the gospel is spreading, and the world is being transformed. Just like the book of Acts is playing out a thousand times over all around the world, there's these gospel movements or church planning movements, disciple-making movements. They're breaking out and they're resulting in generations of new disciples and new churches and new leaders who are saturating entire regions of the world, many of which were previously unreached. There are movements in India that have seen millions of new followers of Jesus and tens of thousands of new churches. Similar numbers exist in China. They think that in 1980, there was less than 2 million Christians in China. And they think that today that number could be as much as 110, 120 million followers of Jesus. That means that at its height, these movements produced 10,000 new disciples every day. Indigenous movements are taking over all over Africa. Tens of thousands of churches have emerged out of new believers in the past decade alone. In the last five years, similar things are happening in countries like Honduras and Cuba. Discovery Bible studies, these simplest expressions of of these fellowships of people, number in the tens of thousands. And in these places, the growth is not slowing down. And the underground church in the Middle East has not only seen similar results, but it's the place where the movement of Christ is growing fastest in a way that it doesn't belong. God seems to be specifically doing this among Muslims, and every Muslim region of the world is experiencing these multiplying gospel movements. And that's just like a little snapshot in every sort of culture, from rural to urban, from eastern to western, from black to white to brown, is seeing gospel movements emerge within them. And the question for many Americans then is, well, why couldn't that happen here? Maybe it's because the wineskin of the church needs to be cast off. It may feel like that kind of fruit is unattainable here in America, but here's the truth, and here's what I'm seeing personally, is that the tide is beginning to shift. It may feel like the church in America is dying on the surface level. There's about 2,500 to 3,000 churches that close in America every year, about 1% of churches. Um... but but there's a very tangible undercurrent where we're seeing in these unseen places movemental things that are happening. Amid what's happened the last three years with the global pandemic and deep political division and systemic racism, the Lord, I think this is a moment where there's more spiritual hunger than I've ever seen in my life. The people around you are desperate to find God and they don't think that this is the place where they can find him. The world and its answers are not satisfying the desires of people's hearts. And in many ways, our day's environment is ripe for God's move that mirrors what we see around the world. And we, we understand that new wine, a, a new outpouring of God, requires a new wineskin that can grow with it. And although many Christians and churches have yet to wake up from their slumber, the Holy Spirit is already stirring before the people of God are even ready. More and more every day, God is awakening people to their missionary identity, being the sent ones of God. And a lot of leaders in the West are are starting to take on humility as they seek to learn from places around the world. New prayer movements are, are spreading around the country as the Holy Spirit is is stirring people to cry out for our nation to join him in the neighborhoods and networks that he 's already placed them in, from high school students to baby boomers, prisons to suburban neighborhoods, refugee communities, addiction recovery homes these Small expressions of missionaries living in those places in every sort of environment. God is doing incredible things. Um, In certain parts of the country, I actually have some friends in Chicago. They're a a mega multi-site church with 15,000 people in five locations and they have launched 120 micro church that don't gather together with their macro expressions. These large mega churches are saying we need to send our people out. Um, We're seeing these new networks of microchurch like what we're doing with Redemption Hill and the syndicate here in Boise. In Kansas City, there are a thousand missionaries who have signed on to launch microchurch expressions throughout Kansas City. Tampa Underground has over 200 microchurch that are reaching into every pocket of their city. We've got movements like Saturate and Soma up in Seattle dedicated to gospel saturations in their cities it's popping up all over what once seemed like this radical thing is is now a necessity for the people of God we're starting to see the first fruits of gospel movement here in our country but it's going to require us to think differently about who we are and what we do here in the valley we've been praying since we moved back six and a half years seven years ago um, that God would do a significant work in our city And Redemption Hill was the first church that was planted with what we now call the City Network. And we've seen 75 churches planted across our city over the last six and a half years. God has been doing some incredible things among us. We've seen within our little movement of the syndicate, we've seen 30 micro church expressions that aren't aren't included in those 75. Where God is starting to raise up leaders who are saying, I'm called to go. We're a part of a global movement called New Thing that has planted 8,584 churches in 69 nations. God is doing incredible things all over. But it's going to look different because it's not about large gatherings of Christians. It's about people who are followers of Jesus being sent out as missionaries to participate in what he's doing, what we call disciple-making movements. I have a picture here to show you, I think. Maybe there we go. Um, This is this what we call disciple making movement. We see in the first century, Paul lived this out. Um, There's four generations of new groups or churches in multiple streams, resulting in hundreds of planted churches. You have Paul who discipled Timothy, Titus, and Epra. I'm going to say that wrong. Epaphras. Um, And then each of them poured into men who planted churches, and over the course of just one generation, it says that everyone in Asia Minor, 12 million some people, knew the name of Jesus by the end of that first generation, which is stunning. It means that not someone like Paul reached all those people, but that Paul trained people who lived out this disciple-making movement. And every single disciple-making movement has these, like, four characteristics, these six characteristics. They begin with radical prayer. People who will look at their city and pray that God would move ahead of them. We believe that it's not our work, but God's work that he's doing. They start living as missionaries, where they go and they live out what we call our blessed rhythms. They share their lives with people who are far from God. They serve the world around them they focus their lives in their neighborhoods and in the places where they work to see where God's at work and then they sit down with them and teach them and learn from the Bible together they look at the way of Jesus and they learn it together that's it's time to go because the kids are coming up uh, <laughs> we've got a lot to get through Um, You start to see church planting happening because people feel so called and equipped and sent that they go and you see new expressions and partnerships emerge. Um, There's cultural transformation. When the gospel takes root in people's lives, their families are transformed. When the gospel takes root in people's lives, their neighborhoods are transformed. When institutions start to be formed in the way of Jesus, they start to act differently. Um, And then you see multiplication where it can't contain itself. It multiplies out. and Many Americans have grown up in the church. They may, they may find like this shift that we're trying to make really impossible. And next week we're going to talk about what are, what are the things we have to change about the way we think about what church is to see a movement of God in our city. But it's 10.15, and I should probably be done today. Does that sound good? All right, so I'm going to invite the band to come on up. And when we... When we come forward to receive communion each and every week, this table represents a lot of things, but fundamentally it starts with participating and becoming a part of the body of Christ. And so when we receive the blood of Christ and we receive the body of Christ, we become one with Christ. We are a part of him. And in being a part of him, it unites one of us to each other and then God calls us together to be his people. And so as you come forward, I want you to think about this. When you, when you receive communion, is it about you? Or is it about looking around and saying, I belong to these people? I belong to the family of God. I, I am a part of the body of Christ. And I have been called out from the kingdom of darkness to be a part of God's kingdom work. It's really time to go now. So when you come forward to receive communion, I want you to I want you to stop for a second and go, am I do I truly believe that I am I belong to you? That I'm committed to you and to this work that we have together because that's what communion means is that we belong to one another. Let's pray together. Holy Father, we want to be a people that are united around you. That push everything else away, all of our all of our ways of trying to be church that are are not a part of you, all the ways that our ego and our desire for power and control and safety drive us towards things that make your church weak and ineffective. Lord God, may we change how we think and how we see. May we repent of the ways that we have been your people. May we cut out the cancerous parts that are keeping us from you and ask, God, where are you sending us? How can we participate in your work and become people who belong in your kingdom? How can we teach the next generation how to walk with you? How can we live empowered by your spirit, bringing your presence into our workplaces, bringing your presence into our families and our houses, bringing your presence into our neighborhoods and seeing you at work in powerful ways? God, give us vision to see what you're up to.
0: again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org/connection, where you can fill out the connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at redemptionboise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.